Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. While the cooler temperatures have finally moved in here to Texas, we're seeing lows in the 60s and 70s all across the state. And boy, it sure feels good to finally feel like fall is just around the corner. In the news today, we're going to talk about packing capacity. That's been a topic that we've been discussing for quite a while now. In fact, you can go all the way back to that fire at that packing plant in Kansas around two years ago when the topic popped up, and we've been talking about it ever since. There is definitely a need for more hook space, and we hope to be moving in that direction. We'll visit with Texas cattle feeders Ross Wilson about that situation coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most exciting experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Farmers are taught to do what they can to keep the wheat curl mite away from their wheat, but it could be that some farmers have been unknowingly delivering the mite to their fields at planting time. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Sheep field days are planned for Texas producers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Corn harvest is near completion in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shai McLellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The beef industry needs more packing capacity. That's been a well-known fact for a while now, but when will we see the industry expand? Ross Wilson, CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, says the profitability in the packing industry right now should make that happen, but it won't happen overnight. That's been the really unique thing and probably one of the more frustrating things in the last year and a half of pandemic is watching the profit levels profit margins of packers without any seeming effort to expand capacity. Basic economics would indicate that if you've been making that level of profit for that long, you're going to expand your business. Part of that is that they've diversified in their their multiple protein producers. We're only in the beef business. There are multiple proteins, and it it just, it's been amazing, the lack of interest in expanding beef packing capacity. So we've got a host of new players showing up, which is a really good thing. Many of those new hooks will come from smaller packing companies, and that has Wilson somewhat concerned about their ability to survive in the long term. Whatever size and capacity will help, I'm a little concerned that long term, the economic viability of the smaller, the smallest plants Mm -hmm. is going to, could become challenging. When you, when you get to, when you're needing to sell everything because as you well know we can't you can't just sell the middle meats and the and the chuck and the round you've got to sell everything but the moo there are years that you have to be able to sell everything to even just break even in in processing Ross Wilson president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association USDA has set a deadline for farmers and ranchers to submit or update their applications for aid under the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, too. 
Jessica Domel has the details. The program exists to help offset farmers, ranchers, and dairymen's losses due to market and supply chain challenges during the coronavirus pandemic. Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau says producers now have until October 11th to submit their paperwork to FSA. The applications are being accepted now. Deadline has been moved to give folks an opportunity to get their records in order and come in and make those applications. In addition to announcing the deadline, USDA has also announced some changes to CFAP2, including amendments to payment calculations for sales-based commodities like specialty crops. A list of eligible commodities, changes to the program, and instructions on how to apply are available on farmers.gov backslash CFAP2. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Tyson Foods says that labor unions have agreed to support its requirement for U.S. employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19 by November. Reuters says the company will offer new benefits to workers, including paid sick leave. Companies like Tyson have been trying to give employees incentives to get vaccinated through bonuses and other benefits as the Delta strain pushes case numbers higher. Tyson, which sells the most meat in the country, said in early August that American workers must get vaccinated, though the requirement for unionized plant workers was subject to negotiations. There's a new dimension in the battle against the wheat curl mite. James Hunt tells us that some Texas farmers may be unwillingly introducing the mite to their fields here at planting time. Farmers who grow winter wheat in the Texas High Plains are very familiar with the wheat curl mite. That's the little bug that is the vector for the devastating plant disease known as wheat streak mosaic virus. For a long time, It's been known that the mite can get into a wheat field by hopping over from volunteer wheat that's growing nearby, or perhaps from another crop like corn or sorghum. The mite can also simply get blown in on the wind. But Texas A&M AgriLife plant pathologist Ken Obasa says researchers learned just this past season wheat curl mites can also lay eggs in wheat, which means it's looking like the possibility of wheat curl mite that actually emerges in our field from the seeds that we planted because those seeds might be carrying the eggs of this mite. Dr. Obasa says whether this business of wheat curl mites laying eggs in wheat is truly a new phenomenon resulting from evolution or simply something that has been overlooked by scientists and other humans throughout time is unknown. But either way, to fight back against the mite, Dr. Obasa advises wheat farmers to use treated seeds. There are products out there that have fungicides and insecticides packaged together into a single product. This would be one thing we would now strongly encourage folks to consider doing even more given this new find. And because, as with all virus situations, if it becomes established, there's really no recourse because there's nothing out there that we can put out onto our field to take care of the viruses. So the best thing we can do is to prevent the incidence in the first place. And given what we found, this would be easily done by treating your seed. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Several sheep field days are coming up, including one this week. Tom Nicoletti has more. 
The first event will be the Genetic Advancement of Wool Sheep Field Day on September 9th at the HF4 Ranch in Sonora. The second event will be at the Genetic Advancement of Hare Sheep Field Day on September 16th. That'll start at the 30 County Road 226 in Pretty before continuing to the Hamilton Sheep Station in Hamilton. To talk more about these two field days, we have Jake Thorne on the line from San Angelo. He is with the Texas A&M AgriLife uh, Extension Service. He's a sheep and goat program specialist. And uh, Jake, talk about that first one uh, that'll be happening uh, there in uh, Sonora. Both field days, actually, we'll be visiting with producers about the various genetic technologies that are emerging and becoming available so that growers can measure those hard-to-measure traits such as reproduction, health, and adaptability to the environment and growth, which are all traits that really impact the bottom line of sheep operations. There will be a number of other field day topics that you'll discuss. Uh, What are those? Yeah, so at the field day on September 9th will be specifically for wool sheep producers. And so we'll be covering lots of technology that that goes into the analysis of wool inflammation as well. And then, then also really covering topics that are specific to wool sheep producers in the region here in the Edwards Plateau. On September 16th, that field day will be focused more towards hair sheep production in Central Texas, which is really increasing in popularity. There's been a tremendous number of markets open that are desiring that hair sheep lamb. That is Jake Thorne, a Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Sheep and Goat Program Specialist. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas farmers are wrapping up corn harvest. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Mother Nature couldn't let Central Texas farmers finish out corn harvest without sending more rain. Some areas of McLennan County received over four inches of rain, while others only received a few tenths of rainfall. Most of Central Texas did receive some rain, however, not everybody did. While it was flooded on the western side of McLennan County, on the eastern side on the river bottoms, irrigation was running on cotton ground. The moisture we received after the rain did dry up quickly, though, due to just some hot, windy days. That did allow farmers to get back into the fields and complete corn harvest for 2020. Most producers are at least three weeks to a month later than they normally would in wrapping up that 2020 corn shelling. Yields have been good. The county extension replicated corn hybrid trial averaged over 145 bushels per acre. And the county replicated grain sorghum trial averaged 5,500 pounds an acre. Now, anytime you can get over 5,000 pound milo, that's, that's a good year. Cotton will be our next major crop that will be harvested. Cotton still has some time to develop and finish out the growing season. Cotton got off to a really rocky start in central Texas, but it has rebounded and it does show some potential for a very favorable yield. Armyworms continue to be a nuisance in central Texas. Many producers have spread multiple times with insecticides, trying to keep the armyworm population low enough that it doesn't damage forages. For most, the armyworms have cost producers at least one hay cutting. It's a common story. Farmer checked his field one day, everything was fine. He got busy, uh, busy doing other things. He checked it three or four days later, and the armyworm population had increased to a population heavy enough, and they had destroyed his hay field. I keep thinking this hot, sunny weather will finally knock the population back, but armyworms seem to be more resilient than I've ever seen them. Makes me wonder how bad will they be in the fall when the environmental conditions provide a good habitat for armyworms. Only time will tell. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Central Texas Blackland region for Texas Ag Today. Should Texas dove hunters change their hunting strategy as the season progresses? I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And anaplasmosis is a common disease in Texas cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Anaplasmosis is a common cattle disease here in Texas, but Dr. Bob Judd says there are some things you can do to prevent it. Anaplasmosis is a bacterial disease that infects red blood cells of cattle. Dr. Justin Talley with Oklahoma Livestock Extension indicates at Drovers.com that once the red blood cells are infected, the animal's immune system destroys the infected cells, leading to anemia. Cattle with anemia can become aggressive as well as being lethargic, have a yellow tint to their mucous membranes, undergo weight loss, and have difficulty breathing. If anaplasmosis is diagnosed in your herd, your bovine veterinarian can help you with a plan to control the infection as the disease can be treated with antibiotics in the feed or injectable antibiotics on individual animals. A vaccine is available and can decrease clinical signs, but does not always prevent infection. Anaplasmosis is routinely spread by people working cattle and not changing needles between every animal. I know this is expensive, but if anaplasma is a problem in your herd, using new needles for every animal is important to prevent transmission. One study shows 60% of the cattle became infected when using the same needle that was used on one infected cow. Disinfection of dehorning tools, ear tagging tools, and castration tools must also be thorough to prevent transmission in this manner. Ticks are the most common biological vector to transmit this disease, and ticks are more infectious than a contaminated needle because the bacteria proliferates in the ticks and results in higher numbers of bacteria increasing the infection. Tick control is important to decrease transmission of the parasite, and this includes pasture rotation and products to kill the ticks. Biting flies can also transmit the disease, making it difficult to control. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Should Texas dove hunters change their hunting strategy as the season progresses? Jessica Domel has an answer in today's Wildlife Report. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones has been open for about a week now. TFB Radio's Gary Joyner recently spoke with Tim Martin of the Martin Ranch in Coriel County and David McGinnis about their experiences dove hunting so far. McGinnis said it was a bit slow to start, but they ended up all having a chance to take a shot. It was a little more scarce this morning, but actually I got the same number of birds this morning as I did this <laughs> afternoon. So, And there was fewer to shoot at because from what we took out this morning. So I guess it was <laughs> it was good. So Tim, it is not really about the number of birds in the bag. It's about the experience, the friendships, and just yes. the experience, right? Yes. It's always been that way. You get a bag limit, that's fine. It uh, means you shot better than probably you did maybe yesterday or day before. But getting out here, experiencing what the wildlife, what you can take, the bounty that God gives us, and then be able to take and be satisfied with what you got. The doves you get, you earn by your ability of shooting. How does dove season change as the season progresses, as it gets cooler, as we get into those other months? Do the patterns change? Do the way you hunt change? The way we hunt some, right here at the beginning of the season, we use a mojos and decoys. Toward the end of the season, they've been shot at a lot, coming from different places, so they veer from those 
decoys a lot, just like the ducks do when the ducks come down. The standing seed fields that we have, they're planted in different stages so they mature differently. So by the time the northern birds start coming down, there's seeds here for them also, and it gives us a hunt. And it seems like they just pick up on the whatever the patterns are from the birds that are here. The northern birds pick up on that and continue uh, those flyways. That was TFB Radio's Gary Joyner and Hunter's Tim Martin and David McGinnis. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Yet another day of lower trade in the cattle complex. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Same story, different day in the cattle futures market on Wednesday as we saw lower prices once again. We wrapped up with both live and feeder cattle in the red on Wednesday. October live cattle dropped 65 cents, 123.10. December down 90, 128.65. February live cattle down 82 cents at 132.87. Feeder cattle market lower, September down 22, 156.05. October feeder cattle down 77 at 159.27. November feeders down $1.45, $161.42. Cash-fed cattle market seeing some light trade on Wednesday here in the south at $1.24 on the live basis, but most of our feedlots are asking $1.25 to $1.26 this week. Up north, a few dress cattle sold at $2.03 on the rail. Boxed beef was mixed on Wednesday. Choice, 59 higher at $3.35.78. Select was down 73 cents, 301.17. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy, it's time to talk to Kenny Mingus about the Friday sale in Cameron. Milam County Livestock Auction, Cameron. Kenny, how'd it go? Well, it turned out good, Larry. We got a total of 1,204 cattle, 145 cows, 14 bulls, 176 sellers, and 66 buyers. Let's walk the pins. Steers under 300, 140 to 220. Three to 400 pound steers, 115 to 216. Four to 500 pound steers, a dollar to 207 and a half, and over 570 to a dollar 68. On the heifers under 300, a dollar to 190. Three to four hundred pound heifers, ninety to one eighty seven. Four to five hundred pound heifers, ninety to one sixty eight, and over five hundred seventy to a dollar fifty five. Packer cows about steady from twenty five to seventy eight. Packer bulls the same from seventy five to ninety three. On uh, on your bread cows from three hundred to twelve twenty five, and on your cow calf pairs from a thousand to fourteen seventy five. Good. Sounds like you had a good sale. What was the count? Twelve oh four. What do we anticipate for this Friday? Well, I think we're going to be a little busier, uh, Larry. You know, we had people just kept calling and calling, wanting to know if we were going to be open Friday, you know, because of the, the holiday mm-hmm. weekend. I had a guy call a while ago thinking about he's going to send about 200 calves, so we're off to a pretty good start. 
dirt right there. They'll be yep. really short. So I think we're going to kick off to kind of maybe start our fall run here a little bit, see how long it lasts. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of Kenny Mingus. You bet. Just catch us at the office uh, from about 9 to 3 at 254-697-6697. You can follow us on our webpage at mylifecountylifestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Have a good week. Hey, Brian, Larry Marble, and that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished lower. October hogs down 72 cents, 87.37. December hogs down 22 at 80.55. Class 3 milk was higher. September milk up 3, 16.76 a hundred. October milk up 14 at 17.59 a hundred weight. The cotton market finishing mixed with not a whole lot happening in the market right now. Traders looking forward to Friday's USDA crop report. The average trade guess for the 21-22 cotton crop is 17.7 million bales. That would be up from the August number of 17.26 million. Domestic ending stocks expected to be 3.43 million bales. That's up from 3 million back in August. World ending stocks expected to come in at 87.67 million, up from 87.23 in August. We finished with October cotton down 21 points, 95.20. December cotton up 3, 94.08. The corn market closing mixed with September corn up 2.5, 4.98 and a quarter. December corn down a half. 510 and a quarter. The wheat market saw double-digit losses in both hard and soft wheat after news came out of Canada that their stocks are larger than expected, about 900 million tons larger than expected. That sent all three of our wheat exchanges lower, including the Kansas City market, where hard wheat was down 12 and three quarters on the September contract. It finished at 697 a bushel. New crop July, hard wheat down nine and a quarter, 701 and a quarter. In the soft wheat market September was down 10 and a half 698 and a quarter new crop July down eight and a quarter 698 and three quarters rough rice was mixed September rice unchanged 1310 a hundredweight November soybeans up two and a half 1279 and a half September soybean meal up 10 cents 337.40 a ton in the energy markets October natural gas climbed 35 cents to close at 491 October crude oil up 96. 69.31 a barrel. The financial market slightly lower with the Dow down 84 points, 35,016. The Nasdaq down 98 at 15,275. The S&P 500 down 8 points, 4,511. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Sure hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.